All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is all of it. I'm Allison Stewart. Fellow Gen Xers, it is our time to lead. Recently, several articles and many hashtags have emerged noting that members of Generation X are equipped for this moment because of how we grew up. As one article in the Seattle Times noted, Gen Xers, the latchkey kids of the 80s and 90s, are uniquely qualified for social distancing. In their youth, they spent hours alone in their rooms, watching after-school specials, doing homework, making mixtapes for their friends. To this day, they're perfectly content, holed up at home and finding ways to entertain themselves. After our next interview, we're going to take your calls. Why do you think Gen X is suited to handle this moment? Are you a Gen Xer? What are you doing that other generations might want to try? Get ready to call at 212-433-9692 or tweet us at all of it WNYC. Now, despite being dubbed coffee shop philosophers and slackers, Gen X has become one of the most prosperous generations in American history. New York Times reporter and feature writer Alex Williams wrote a piece called, Actually, Gen X did sell out, invent all things millennial, and cause everything else that's both great and awful. I begin by asking Alex what prompted the New York Times to start a series about Gen X. Well, I mean, the funny thing is that here we are as Generation X, we're in our 40s and 50s, we're in, th- in theory, we're at the apex of our power and influence, and still nobody cares. <laughs> it's like, I mean, if you play word association with the baby boomers, you could start off and, you know, you could start off with Vietnam, disco, howdy doody, big chill. I mean, you could go for five hours, but if you say, you know, Generation X, you're going to be Reality Bites, Nirvana, and then Blank Stairs. Well, it's so interesting that you should say that because at the same time, you've got you know, Nora O'Donnell's taking over the evening news. Jake Tapper's the biggest thing on CNN. John Dickerson just went to 60 Minutes. These are all Gen Xers who are in positions of power. Oh, yeah, you could go on and on. I mean, just look at Silicon Valley. I mean, the founders of Google, Twitter. I mean, Elon Musk is an Xer. But yeah, somehow the the phrase went out of uh, fashion very quickly. I mean, that's the funny thing, again, to contrast to the boomers. I mean, the boomers, you know, there were still little kids watching Howdy Doody in the 50s, and people were already talking about the boomers as a phenomenon. And that lasted all the way through Big Chill, through Bill Clinton's presidency. Whereas Generation X, the term really only got thrown around for about three years, like 1991 through 94. So in, in the origins of Generation X, which the origins of the term are... The origins... Is- <laughs> well, that's that's actually a good. I mean, it basically, that's that's yet another irony. We don't a we don't even have a real name because what is Generation X? It means the sort of I don't know generation. But on top of that, it basically got applied from a book by Douglas Copeland, which and he's a boomer. I mean, he was <laughs> kind of writing about us, but it's yeah. Who are we? Who are we? You know what? That's a great question. Who are we? We're going to put a call out. Why not? Hey, Gen Xers, weigh in. Who are we? <laughs> How would you describe our generation? Of course, I should answer that. I, I did sort of answer that in 4,600 okay. words in my piece. So. We'll get there. But we'll see what our, our Gen X listeners have to say. What makes us unique? 212-433-9692. You know, I lean hard into it here on the show, obviously. <laughs> Luscious Jackson does our, our theme music. Um, when you write about Gen Xers, you know, it's always been defined in the negative, as, you, as you've been decided. Mm-hmm. Describing, 
How would you describe it in the positive now? How would you describe this generation positively from what you reported? Well, I mean, I think that, I mean, you could take that a number of different ways. I mean, you could talk about, I mean, first of all, with the caveat of like, you can't generalize for millions of people, et cetera, et cetera. But when people do try to generalize, I mean, they typically talk about, you know, I mean, in the negative, you'd say, you know, we're apathetic and we're cynical and that sort of thing. But you could take those very concepts and turn them around and say, we're not, you know, we're not cynical, we're just independent, you know, we're free thinkers. I mean... You know, if you think about it, Apple basically rebuilt its entire business empire off the Think Different campaign. That was a late 90s campaign that was marketed to us. We were the cool young kids getting the cool young computers. You know, we were the, the rebels and the pirates. And, you know, I mean, it was it was out of that that came uh, the dot-com boom and many, many other things. You, let's go through some of the tropes about Gen Xers, that they are slackers. Does that just go straight back to the movie? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I never quite got that. In fact, every Generation Xer I talked to said, I don't get that. I mean, basically, again, we got branded for this like blip in time. I mean, that movie came out in 1990. Um, the point I make in my piece is that I don't know any Generation Xers who actually sat through more than 30 minutes of it. It was kind of like, you know, it's sort of like, it was a seminal film, but kind of who cared? I mean, we all love Richard Linklater. I mean, we all loved... We all love Dazed Confused because that's about baby boomers. And you know, we were always taught that baby boomers matter. We don't. So we kind of bought that. Gen Xers out there, give us a call. 212-433-9692. 212-433-9692. Okay, Desiree in Brooklyn wants to weigh in. Hi, Desiree. Hi. Um, I wanted to say that Gen Xers, I think we are like the perfect sandwich generation. We bridge the gap between the analog world and the new digital world like we you know not just remember the analog world but lived in it lived with the rotary phone lived with the you know the vcr the um maybe not the eight track the cassette mm-hmm. you know and then we also did the bridge when the computer was coming up and becoming more able to be used in the home we saw the internet come about and learn to you know sort of put away some of the analog stuff and pick up the digital things and also create create the digital world that we have now so i consider us the you know the perfect sandwich generation like that bridge i agree first digital natives we don't get any credit desiree <laughs> desiree <laughs> thanks a lot thank you bye My guest is Alex Williams. We're talking about a new series in the New York Times style section called Gen X is a Mess. But then it goes on to tell us how we're we're actually we're actually pretty okay. We're not a mess. You know what's really interesting? I to point to the point Desiree made is I often think about Gen X as the workaround generation. Yes. Because nothing was ever tailored to us because we're small. Absolutely no. If you want to go with the cliches, it's like oh our parents were both out of the house. We were alone making our own sandwiches in the afternoon, and so yeah, we had to get along to you know we had to make do and we had to be resourceful. And I mean, if you want to extrapolate, you could say that is kind of how we created the dot com boom and you know every other sort of economic boom of the late nineties, early two thousands. All right, so tell me who you decided to focus on in your pieces. Oh wow. Well. Um, I was trying to get, you know, a a broad range. I mean, I do think that, I mean, I was looking for diversity in every sense. I mean, I think a lot of the cliches in the, in the early 90s, you know, it was all like everybody, but it was like Liz Fair and, you know, that sort of thing, uh, Eddie Vedder. But, you know, I mean, we, we forget about like the sort of the massive boom in, you know, I mean, hip hop and every, you know, that feminism, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, one of the one of the points I make in the piece is that we basically invented woke, you know, long before the millennials started using the term. It it was politically correct, and back then it wasn't something that people used to say like, oh, he's terribly, you know, it wasn't a Fox News kind of thing. It was actually just, hey, you know, I, yes, I'm politically correct, and that was a major social change. 
Yeah, I'm going to drop another name now. Okay. Dustin Lance Black was in here, and we was talking about how the real world on MTV was one of the first places that he ever saw another gay person. Oh yeah. And that what and also people of different races living together in a home that was a really sort of groundbreaking thing. Absolutely, no. That was that, yeah. Those small things, those pop cultural things, mean a lot. I talked to a lot of people who said that. I mean, I talked to a woman who was a photographer who was, um, you know, she is she she I guess came out as a gay woman. Now she considers herself non-binary, and she said that even watching MTV in the eighties, you know, seeing Boy George and seeing all the sort of gender bending going on in pop culture was sort of a it was permission. Let's take a listen to uh, Ruben is calling us from North Bergen, New Jersey. So, Ruben, what do you think the X stands for? Well, I remember when this first came around, and the X stands for the Roman numeral 10 because we're the 10th generation since the founding of the country. And it was also used as a variable for the unknown because we were a first generation that wasn't supposed to do better than their parents. Hmm, Okay. I like it. Thank you so much, Ruben. My guest is Alex Williams. He is part of the new series, the New York Times style section called Gen X is a Mess. So this is an interesting political cycle because we've never had Gen X candidates before. And now we get now we're lousy with them. We've got a, yeah, we've got more than a few. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of people think that Barack Obama was a Gen X president. He's not. I mean, 1960 is not Gen X and any actual Gen Xer mm-hmm. knows that. But yet, yeah, I mean, we've got a number of people. Um yeah, uh, Gillibrand. Gillibrand, yeah, Beto, um Bougie, I got the whole list, okay. Yeah, okay. Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang, yeah. Cory Booker. Kamala is not. Cory Booker is. Yeah, Kamala's yeah. so close. She's Senator close. Harris is right on the edge. Yeah. Cory Booker, Julian Castro, Michael Bennett. It's sort of interesting because, as you write, Gen Xers tend to opt for pragmatism mm-hmm. over ideology. Absolutely. What do you mean by that, and how do you think that actually applies to some of these candidates? Well, I mean, the funny thing is that you look at the you look at uh, the opinion polls and all the sort of hot button issues, whether it's you know, I mean, gender equality or whatever. We basically split the difference. The millennials are much more liberal. The boomers, by this point in their lives, are much more conservative, and we go right down the middle. And so it's a, it's an odd moment for us to be trying to step on stage politically because we are centrists in an era that celebrates radical extremes, basically. So, I mean, I I think it's a very open question if we'll ever get get a president, basically. Some generations don't. Our number is 212-433-9692, 212-433-WNYC. Are you a Gen Xer? Give a call in. Tell us what you think about this conversation, how you would define our generation. Let's go to Trevor in Brooklyn. Hi, Trevor. Hey, Allison. Thanks for having me on. A big fan of MTV in the 90s. <laughs> Uh, Alex, thank you for uh, giving us, uh, shining some light on this. I'd like to say it seems like hip-hop is not getting enough attention here. Mm-hmm. It's a it does in my story. Era of hip-hop. <laughs> That's my generation. I'm from Brooklyn. Just wanted to hear what you had to say about that. All right, Trevor, thanks for calling in, and thank you for listening as well. So in your piece, you do touch on hip-hop, Yeah, that's actually a a pretty big chunk in my piece. I mean, I talk about... I mean, I was drawing the contrast between the early 90s, which was all sort of gloom and doom and Prozac and grunge and that sort of thing, but that was just kind of a moment. I mean, the whole... Our whole real adulthood, starting at about 25 or so, was a boomtown, and not just in the tech world, but also in hip-hop. And I was talking to a writer named Michael Gonzalez, who's not an excerpt, but he's a sort of a hip-hop historian. And he was making the point that a lot of the first-generation hip-hop guys, you know, they were they might have been rapping about making the Benjamins and getting, you know, the, the, the gold chains and all that stuff, but they were kind of struggling and living at home, whereas it was the Gen Xers like Jay-Z and you know, Puffy, as we called him back then, who were teaching you how to build empires. It wasn't like, you know, you had to own your, own your rights, own your masters, that sort of thing. And it was really like corporate thinking. Let's go to Eric from Park Slope. Hi, Eric. 
Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. So um, my comment was that, um, and we or touched on it a little bit, that we straddle the analog and the digital worlds, but uh, I didn't hear anyone talk about video games. So I'm 49, and when our parents you know, were working jobs and we were home alone making our own sandwiches that someone, someone had referenced, <laughs> we were also playing uh, Atari and playing video games and creating sort of this sort of what was seemed as, you know, this pointless exercise for kids to what is now a... You know, probably one of the biggest powerhouse entertainment industries in the world. And I think we were the ones who had that passion, just like for music at the time. Video games has become this sort of like unbelievable cultural thing. And uh, I, in fact, started a video gaming company in um, the early 2000s. And I had to go out and talk to people about video games then. And they always still said it was a waste of time and that there was never going to be anything that amounted to it. But obviously, we were powerhouses in that. Absolutely. And Ben, how often do we get credit? You know, when do you ever hear that video games are a Gen X thing? Never. I mean, yeah. Eric, thanks a lot. Okay, Lee has a has an opinion here. Lee, you're you are counterpoint. What's up, Lee? Hi. We're talking about 10 million individuals, 10 million stories. I think you're trying to uh, describe patterns that don't actually exist. That is certainly a, a very popular thing. I mean, any generational researcher faces this. I mean, we're painting in very broad strokes, talking about historical moments and, you know, notables. But yes, I, I make it very clear in the, we're actually talking about 55 million, maybe 65 million people. And yes, I make it very clear that you cannot uh, generalize. Although I will say, this is something that we had at MTV. We called it the generational B-roll. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's like the B-roll that mattered for Gen X. It was the Challenger. It was Reagan. Yep. There were just certain things that we all experienced at a time in our lives when we were creating who we were. Exactly. Yeah. That I mean, made an imprint. Exactly. Do moments in history shape populations? I mean, I would argue that, yes, doesn't mean that everybody turns out the same, but I think, you know, common influences do sort of shape us. And before I let you go, so you have this piece about the Gen X poster boy, and I didn't know who it was for a long time. I thought, is this going to be Ethan Hawke? Is it going to be Johnny Depp? Is it going to be John Cusack? Is it going to be Keanu Reeves? And it was Evan Dando from the Lemonheads. Who Why? else? <laughs> I mean, he's kind of the ultimate, he's kind of the ultimate Xer, because for one thing, he's still living 1994. I mean, he is, and I mean that in a good way, he is, he never gave up the sort of grunge aesthetic. First of all, he was kind of the ultimate coulda, woulda, shoulda guy. I mean, he had everything it took to be an absolute superstar. He had the looks, really catchy melodies, but he was just such a slacker in every sort of comic way that, you know, they got big, but they didn't become like the next, you know, I mean, they've seated the stage of the Backstreet Boys. So I think his tale is a great metaphor for our generation, and I hope people read it because it's a pretty interesting one. And where is he? He is living on Martha's Vineyard. In fact, now he's on tour. He is still out there doing it. I mean, that's the thing, you know, Kurt Cobain is dead. Uh, uh, um, Chris Cornell is dead. Mm -hmm. All these guys, Scott Weiland from the Stone Hill Violets right. is dead. But Evan Lance Dando Daly. is just rolling along. And yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a heartwarming story. It's sort of a warts and all tale, but it's, uh, it's a heartwarming story, I think. In our last moments, Alex, what did you learn about Gen X that you hadn't really thought about our generation before as you really took a dive into it and really started talking to people? I mean, I think I learned that we matter more than I thought we did. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing where I think often when you talk about Generation X, people assume that nobody cares. But if you stop, if you pull back, you know, we're talking about people born over a 15-year period, very sort of a pivotal moment in history. And I think that we shaped a lot of the ways that America is right now. I'm always amazed if I walk through an airport, someone will come up to me 
and start saying, I watched you to, blah, blah, blah. I'm so excited. I'm much when I was 16. And I asked, what do you do now? They're like, well, I'm chief of staff to Senator so-and-so. <laughs> exactly. Like we, you know, we get to, we're getting to drive the bus for a little while. Exactly. We stopped slacking a long time ago. <laughs> the New York Times special section is called Gen X is a Mess. Alex Williams from the New York Times, thanks for joining us and sharing your reporting. Of course. Thanks for being. This is having a, me. Of course. Oh, thanks for being. Thanks for being. Yes. Thanks, you're welcome. For, <laughs> <laughs> this is all of it on WNYC. All of it is supported by Majuri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Majuri has taken the guesswork out of gifting, offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it.